You're listening to the Girl Next Door podcast. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Erica. We're two former next door neighbors and good friends who love a good chat and a good laugh. We're inviting you to come on in, have a drink, and stay a while. Hey, friend. Hey, friend. Today we're talking about calm parenting. I think calm parenting is something we've both tried to practice since becoming parents, but it's been on our minds even more lately, I think especially with the intense amounts of parenting we've all been doing. (laughs) And in a previous episode, you shared the mantra, my energy is my own, which I think so many people also responded to, meaning that you're responsible for choosing how you react to your children, and that just especially applies to parenting. So, and I've been thinking a lot about calm parenting after a year when a lot did not feel calm inside my house. Mm. My children did not act (laughs) calm. Um, But I also really learned that it's up to the parents to set the tone. So we thought we needed a whole episode Mm -hmm. to dive into this. So we will share what calm parenting looks like in our homes when we most need calm parenting and our tried and true strategies. Plus, we'll share our favorite resources for calm parenting. Um, I think too, it can be helpful to know the ages of the kids Mm -hmm. that we have when we talk about this, because it's certainly going to look very different for toddlers and older kids. So Erica's girls are nine and almost eight. My kids are eight, six, and one. So I will soon be calm parenting, hopefully a toddler. Mm -hmm. So that'll be exciting. They give you, they give you a good initiation to it right away. Sure do. (laughs) Okay. So to start, tell me what calm parenting means to you and how does it align overall with your personality? Okay. So listeners will know as I've regaled you with tales of chucking water bottles out of windows. And (laughs) this is something for me that does not come naturally. Um, I actually was joking with, I went downstairs and had a snack quick before we were like in between recording episodes. And I went downstairs and had a snack and my kids were down there and I was apologizing to them for something I just kind of lost my mind about this morning that was very inconsequential. And then they were like, what are you recording a new podcast about? And I was like, "Mm." humble pie here. I was like, uh, calm parenting. And they both started laughing and it was really funny. It was really funny though. But then they were like, you're good at staying calm. Daddy's a little better at staying calm. And then Vanessa goes, you just get fired up. (laughs) She She was giving me so much grace. Cause I do try to really talk to them about like, I need you to work on this and I am going to work on staying calm and not getting upset about things that are small things, like trying to model that out loud for them. Cause I do think they're Mm -hmm. at the ages where that's important for them to know this doesn't all just like come natural and mommy is human too. And I am going to mess up and I'm working on this. Um, so to me, someone I think about all the time that can be a model for me in my version of calm parenting, because I don't think that's ever going to be a super permissive or warm fuzzies kind of mom, because that's just not Mm -hmm. me. And I think we need to parent in our strengths um, and parent, you know, in a way that feels authentic to who we are. So Mm -hmm. I think of Claire Huxtable. Okay. On the Cosby show. I feel like she was so good at being calm almost to like a scary level. Like Mm -hmm. I will give you one look with my eyeballs and stay Mm -hmm. perfectly calm, but you will fear for your life. So (laughs) I just, I think like, okay, I can be that kind of calm because I think sometimes to me, I get caught up on, no, but they're getting away with it. Like if Mm -hmm. I don't, if they don't know how upsetting this is or how, you know, if I don't really let them have it on this, on this thing, then they're getting away with it or they're going to be, it's going to snowball into something bigger or whatever. So like I try to keep in mind someone who has all of their own, you know, self-composure, like somebody like Claire Huxtable, like her kids were not getting away with things. She was Mm -hmm. finding very creative ways to teach them lessons, but she was always calm. Mm -hmm. So calm, but firm and fair. I think is how I aspire to be. Um, An affirmation I also repeat to myself every morning is I am a safe space to land for my kids, Mm. which again, I think I'm not always, but it's something I aspire to be. Um, And it doesn't necessarily mean I'm warm and fuzzy and comfy all the time, but that it means acting intentionally in a way that preserves the the relationship ahead of whatever else we're dealing with. Um, Mm -hmm. And that it's, it's a way that in my parenting that I'm proud of that 
involves intentionality instead of just reacting. And mm-hmm. some I've heard this explained to um, Jen Hatmaker talks about it this way, in particular with parenting teens, but it works for toddlers. It actually works for kids of all levels. But she says her best piece of advice is that they are going to get on the crazy train like they just are. Mm-hmm. And there's and there's biological reasons for that. There's hormonal reasons. There's, you know, all kinds of just an undeveloped mind yet, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to get on the crazy train. So instead of acting shocked and appalled every time it happens and joining them on the ride, right. like she tries to keep the mindset of like, I, you go ahead and get on that train and you feel your feelings instead of trying to stop them, right? Mm-hmm. Which is where yes. I get stuck. Like you're making me uncomfortable, so you need to stop it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's, she says she tries to adopt the attitude of like visually picturing her picturing herself like, no, thanks. I'm grown. I don't want to go on that crazy train. I've already been there, mm-hmm. but I mm-hmm. will be here waiting for you when you are mm-hmm. all done with that. Like, right. And we will trust and believe we will talk about whatever we needed to talk about, but it will be after you get off the ride. Right. And so that right. is another picture to me that I feel like I can get, I can get behind mm-hmm. and kind of encapsulates what calm parenting looks like for me. And then I think a huge part of that is that whole concept of my energy being my own. First of all, taking responsibility and not not playing the victim as a parent. Like, you did this to me. You made me feel crazy. Mm-hmm. But also, like, making sure I get what I need to be a calm, yeah. good parent. Like, I am responsible for you know, getting what I need nutritionally. I'm responsible mm-hmm. for drinking enough water in the day. I'm responsible for taking a break when I need it. That is not their right. job. It's mine. Right. And I think a lot of times as moms, we abdicate that responsibility in the name of being a good mom. Like, mm-hmm. no, I just have to be on all the time. There's no other option. And that's just not true. And then we don't do our best parenting in that space. So mm-hmm. I try to be super intentional about that. Okay. I love that. For me, calm parenting means not being emotionally reactive to my children's emotions and challenging behavior. Mm-hmm. Certainly reacting to them and responding, but not in that reactive way, like you were kind of mentioning Mm -hmm. too, just kind of like in the moment, yeah, that kind of hotter being reactive. To me, it's also parenting in a consistent way, no Mm -hmm. matter how my children are behaving. Mm -hmm. And I do find it's just when I have handled myself calmly and not let myself just get so bent out of shape emotionally Mm -hmm. because of what they're doing or the emotions that they're having. I always feel better about how I handled the situation. I have always felt better about letting something go versus raising my voice or threatening or imposing a consequence Mm -hmm. that was just done in the heat of the moment because I was really frustrated. And so I think the more experiences that I've had like that, where actually, yep, I could just let that behavior go as bad as it was in the moment and stay calm and address it later, as you're talking about Mm -hmm. when the crazy train is back in the station Mm -hmm. and they are deboarding. I just have had those experiences where I've felt better and just carrying like kind of that lesson learned mm-hmm. with me. So I also, I think of a phrase that I learned from a book that I really loved that I will mention more about in our resources called Parenting Without Power Struggles. And she talks about a metaphor of being the calm captain of a ship and being in charge, but not in control. Mm. And I really love that. And I do. I just think about mm-hmm. the captain of a ship venturing into, you know, <laughs> big waves, rough waters. And what is the captain doing there? Not freaking out. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, a storm is coming. They're just saying like, okay, all hands on deck and making yep. a plan for it. I you love know, that it doesn't... too, because I get controlly when I'm stressed. Right. So the exactly. idea of like, he, the captain is also not running all around, making sure that mm-hmm. person ties that rope and that per like trusting exactly. people to have their own, you know, feelings and ways of doing things. Exactly. And I think it doesn't mean you're not addressing it, Mm -hmm. but you are putting the things in place. And, you know, sometimes I think that can mean ignoring it. But anyway, I, I thought that making the distinction between in charge and in control was really significant. I like that. 
I do think that calm parenting goes along with my personality. I am just a calm, really patient person mm -hmm. by nature. So I do think this comes easier to me, I will say. Um, I definitely have had to work on it too, but I think it just naturally comes a mm -hmm. little bit easier to me. I also think I am able to put myself in my kids' shoes and see situations from their perspective um, pretty well and like from their emotional level. And I think that benefits me in terms of calm parenting. I think books that I've read or just articles and things that I've read that help explain actually how their brain works and how their self-control and emotions work mm -hmm. or don't work at certain ages just really helps me have a lot of empathy and and let things not get me riled up. Because once I was realizing, oh, they're not just doing this to be bad or to be manipulative, mm -hmm. they actually cannot control their emotions. Right. And they just have to have this big outburst. Right. But I can be there for them at the end to right. comfort them and love them. Right. So that has helped me. I like that. So what are some calm parenting strategies that work for you or that you aspire to practice? Okay, this one's so annoying because it's one of those pieces of advice that everybody gives you that feels like, yeah, duh, and also impossible to do in the moment. But breathing, truly, like mm. walking away from a situation for a minute, and, and maybe you will still end up yelling. Maybe there is mm -hmm. something that is really egregious that still needs to be addressed. But it will be purposeful and like you, you will do less damage <laughs> if you can get your like, literal physical body emotionally regulated and right. like I just realized how much I spent in the toddler years especially like on fight or flight honestly mm. like yes. something they would do the crying the 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 screaming would trigger me as an emergency that I needed to fix mm -hmm. and like just walking away and saying there is no emergency yes this behavior needs to be addressed there's no time limit on you addressing it if they are safe like mm -hmm. you can, and especially now at these ages, they're safe. They're not like, you know, throwing themselves in such a tantrum that, that I'm physically worried about them. But like me removing myself from that situation and literally focusing on breathing, the breathing app on my, on my Apple watch is helping so much. I will put my, I will go in my room, especially if it's like something happening around homeschool my room's right next door. I will close the door and I will just like make myself do that you know, that little breathing exercise. And it only takes like a minute, I think, but that the amount that that helps is truly mm. kind of yes. crazy. And it's so annoying because I want to react so bad, mm -hmm. but it's just that, that saves it. And, and again, like I said, there may still be like, that is absolutely not okay. Here is your consequence, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. But it stops me from doing the thing where I like go in on them, you know, mm -hmm. like, and also mm -hmm. let me tell you another thing about the, right. you know, so it just makes it makes me able to focus and not be damaging in my words and actions. So that is mm -hmm. that is huge. Plus makes me feel better. I don't want to walk around feeling like that all day long. Right. Like it helps right. me. To me, it's also a like self-protection thing. Like you are being crazy. If an adult mm. was talking to me that way, I would walk away. So mm -hmm. why not just walk away and refuse to engage for a minute? Mm -hmm. protect myself, calm myself down in my emotions because you don't yep. get to like control the situation like this. But those mm -hmm. are the kinds of ways I need to think about it because that works with my personality. Like, nope, right. you don't get to control my emotions around this instead of, and then I could think about in a calm moment, empathizing with where they're at emotionally. Right. But in that moment, right. I need to feel like I'm still winning. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that helps me do that. Like it helps me be okay. like, no, I'm owning this. Right. And I'm staying like calm that. for me. Like you can freak out if you want to, but, mm -hmm. and, and trust me, we will address that, but I don't know. So if you're fiery, if you tend to run hot like me, maybe thinking, framing it that way might help. I really, I like that. My first tip is so similar to that and it is ignoring mm -hmm. again, so hard, but so effective. Mm -hmm. I think this is super effective for toddlers. Yes. I think I finally kind of realized maybe by the second time around, and hopefully I'll have even more wisdom this third time around. Sometimes toddlers are just going to be super upset, but they are kind of also putting on a show for you and yes. just wanting that attention and just not feeding into that, giving them the negative attention mm -hmm. is just so much more effective. And for my kids at, at, for the boys, for their ages now, basically if if they're not hurting anyone else or themselves, just ignoring it. Yeah. 
maybe asking them to go spend some time in their room if it's just, you know, bring in a big funky mood, right. but sometimes not. Cause sometimes even that ends up causing a power right. struggle for my kids and it's just not worth it. I can remove myself from mm-hmm. the room. Like you said, just kind of go live life in a different area of the house. Um, I think just so often the kid just needs to calm down. They just need to blow through that particular mood, mm-hmm. emotion. I need to calm down. I am not in a state, they're not in a state to solve a problem. I'm not in a state to solve a problem. So, um, yeah, that, like I said, so hard to practice, but I have also, the more times I've done it and seen its effectiveness, then that's, it's almost kind of like that muscle memory Mm -hmm. and I'm able to return to that as a strategy more often. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's interesting too, because I think that Stuff like that, like walking away or ignoring, almost gets their attention more, mm-hmm. and it it draws their attention to what they're doing. Because when you make it about yelling and disciplining immediately, now mm. they're mad that you're disciplining them. Now they're exactly. now they're mad that you're mad because they're not out of that like you know right. lizard brain <laughs> response mm-hmm. yet. And so, like if you walk away, it's like oh. She just left me here in my whole mess. Like, I guess I'm being, I I feel like my kids stop the tantrum sooner and they pay closer attention to the actual, um, you know, behavior at hand and aren't just making it about how mom's being mean to me now, you know? Exactly. And I think sometimes some of those just very natural consequences, like, well, now I don't want to be around you or yeah, we were about to do this fun thing and, and now we're not. Mm -hmm. And that's much more apparent to them than when you're there trying to teach and give consequences Mm -hmm. and things like that. So yes, sometimes that is just the best thing. Mm -hmm. Ignore it, walk away, no matter how bad the behavior is. If no one's getting hurt, just try it. Yep. Just try it. Yeah. Okay. So another one that I do is I, and I did this teaching a lot and I kind of forgot about it as a parent, but it's so effective. Speaking with more space in between your words as an alternative to yelling. It helps. It helps so much because it's emphasis without Mm -hmm. aggression. Gotcha. So they really start to pay attention like, oh, she's talking real slow something something is happening and I would do that even in a classroom of kids if they you know just to get their attention instead of hollering if they got too loud I would just mm-hmm. start talking and if you would key in like wait what's she gonna say it's like the anticipation of it yeah but it also right. really drives the point home like I mm-hmm. am trying to stay calm Mm-hmm. And you are testing it right now. Like I, I'm mm-hmm. getting, I'm putting you on notice here, but then you don't feel bad about losing your mind, <laughs> you know? Right. It's really And effective. I'm just wondering for, for you too, maybe it's kind of almost kind of like that deep breath, like kind of yes. forcing you to regulate yes. a little bit and forcing you to calm down. Mm-hmm. And so that gives you, sometimes you just need a few seconds mm-hmm. of being able to step back and get perspective that can change from that being hotly reactive, like we said, mm-hmm. to proceeding as you would hope to. Right. So I really like that. Right. And again, I think of like Claire Huxtable. That's like a Claire Huxtable thing to do. Mm. Like, yep. did you know, when she started talking like that, everybody was paying attention, but she looked very in control of the situation. Like she was mm-hmm. calm and mm-hmm. captaining away. Right. So like right. that is, it's very effective. Yes. Oh, I love that. So my my next strategy is not having any teachable moments when emotions are high. Mm-hmm. This is so hard as a parent because when they're doing something wrong or having bad behavior, you want to tell them exactly why they are in the mm-hmm. wrong and why they should never do it again. And, and de- haven't I told you a million times? Exactly. Yes. Turns out that is so ineffective. <laughs> My children are not in a receptive mood to learn about anything at that time. And so once I was able to solidify, and I know this is advice that I had seen and read, but once I was able to solidify actually not doing that and get myself to follow through on that, that just eliminated, like I said, because that would just then create a power struggle Mm -hmm. on top of whatever emotional thing Mm -hmm. was already happening. And then suddenly it's like you get to a point where 
this is not even the original yeah, thing I don't even that know caused me to get mad. Now. What is even going on? But then, but then it's like, well, you don't want to back down. You're supposed to have firm boundaries. Mm-hmm. So just not having any teachable moment to be sure we will talk about it yes. later. Yes. And it can be like, I can tell you're really upset right now. That's not acceptable. And we'll have a conversation mm-hmm. about that later and then walking away yeah. and, or leaving it in some way that, that is kind of how, how I yep. handle it. I love that. And you know, that really gets their attention. Yeah. It's like, just so you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not forgetting about any of this because mm-hmm. I'm walking away, but I'm also yep. choosing not to engage with you right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think just something that I get in a bad habit of is just saying too many words in general. Yes, even in right. even in a positive situation where I'm just telling them like, yeah. "Get your shoes on, we're doing this." It's mm. too many words. Sometimes yeah. they can't always process it. Number one, like multi-step directions. They also like they just shut they shut it down, and it feels like it feels like you're talking about the thing instead of sometimes just acting. I think about that even with a toddler, you know, I used to like lecture or get Mm -hmm. fired up with a toddler when really you can still just as effectively end or like stop the situation by walking over, picking them up and taking them into, into, into a different room without saying any words like, Nope, I'm just going to get up and act without, instead of five warnings and then, Mm -hmm. you know, counting to three and then all of the things it's like, you're teaching them that, they can just like engage this, like draw this process out instead mm-hmm. of just quietly acting on the situation. You right. know, even even at these older ages, like the one day Julia was just having a really, you know, her and I will really butt heads in a hot and heavy way. And then we also get over it quicker because she's a mm-hmm. lot like me this way mm-hmm. where she gets she she can just run hot. She could get fired up about things and then we escalate each other real quickly And so like sometimes it's very effective with her to just take her by the hand, even at seven years old, take her by the hand. And it's confusing because she thinks I'm about to yell or she thinks I'm going to get into it with her and just like walk her into another room that gives me a minute to catch my breath and do some breathing and just say, you can spend some time in here until you're ready to Mm -hmm. come out and be respectful or whatever it Mm -hmm. might be. But that, that not talking at first Mm-hmm. Like by the time she figures out what's happening, she's already in her room. And then it's like, mm-hmm. I will be back to talk to you about this later. You know, yeah. just acting to stop the situation mm-hmm. um, in a quiet, calm way is, yeah. can be very effective. I love that. Okay. Something else that I have found to be effective for my kids is I do not give many consequences for bad and negative behaviors. Mm-hmm. This was something I have kind of tried, but honestly, it just always ended up then being a power struggle about following through on the consequence Mm -hmm. and would just create more issues. Mm -hmm. And I didn't see the effectiveness in terms of, oh, and now the bad behavior is less, you know? And so just having to step back and it feels like they deserve a consequence for sure. And it's very hard to, to not address egregious behavior in that way. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I find that very challenging, but I have just seen that assigning some kind of consequence Mm -hmm. for bad behavior just ends up not being effective. Just as like a random penalty. Like this is your penalty. Right. Exactly. Or even having like, even if they're kind of know that there's kind of, kind of be a consistent consequence. We've gone Mm -hmm. through times of that before, like you will have, you know, this extra thing to do. It just, it does not seem to be a motivator Mm -hmm. for good behavior. Now I will say natural consequences. Yes. 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 Love a great natural consequence. You don't want to get ready for school all these things. Okay. We might be late. You might need a late pass and I'm going to have to drive you. So that means while your brother's biking home, you're going to be walking home with me. Uh huh. It's a great one. Yep. And it's like, yeah, like you, it's sometimes they're just much more effective. Like, oh, that's actually a worse consequence than oh, if I said you don't so get much your more iPad time this week or whatever. So much more effective. Cause really those are the ones where it takes mm-hmm. maybe just the once yep. and then they know. Instead of assigning a consequence for a behavior, what I have found to be most effective is having a conversation about it later when everyone Mm -hmm. is calm. Mm -hmm. 
And that is what I see as like the quote unquote consequence. Yeah. I mean, it, it, they're, we're addressing whatever, it. But, Exactly. Mm-hmm. We're addressing it in some way. Um, and you know, it's interesting. I actually have one of my children actually hates to have those conversations. Yeah. And so I'm not meaning it as a negative consequence, but it almost is, I think, kind of a motivator for him. Right. He's like, I don't want to have an emotional discussion later, right. so I should just skip this behavior yeah. altogether. Yeah. Um, and that is the time when I feel like we can go back to we don't do this kind of behavior because that is not kind or we treat people with respect or problem solve. Mm -hmm. You know, what do you think we could do about it in the next time? Those are where those teachable moments come in. And that to me feels like I'm making more progress on parenting, treating them to be kind, respectful kiddos than like assigning a consequence at, at the time. Yes. And that potentially could just turn into another power struggle. Totally. totally. Cause now <laughs> it's about the consequences about what you took away. Yes. It's about, yes. and I think it, I think it's even easier to make a lot of things, natural consequences as they get older, like, mm-hmm. cause, mm-hmm. cause their privileges even can be a natural mm-hmm. consequence. Like, right. I think I read in love and logic, they talk about this a lot that you can say things like, well, you know, you didn't do your chores, whatever it is. And like those are those are things we do when we're being responsible and like your video games are a privilege when you're being responsible so i mm-hmm. i won't be able to allow you to play video games today right it's not that mm-hmm. you're even just in the way we word things sometimes right. i think we can make the mm-hmm. the connection feel pretty arbitrary between the behavior and the mm-hmm. and the consequence but even just things like that like oh or you know we we have spent this time you know, with you not doing your work or not doing whatever. And so we won't be able to bake later right. or we won't be able to watch a show later. Right. Because we've spent mm-hmm. this time on this bad behavior. Like not yes. that you word it that way, but you know what I mean? Like, right. So I, when I made that realization too, I was like, yeah, it is much more effective than mm-hmm. randomly taking away a toy. My kids mm-hmm. also don't care about random right. consequences. They only right. care about it if it if it is very connected to the behavior and like kind yes. of a natural thing that they can see on their own. Otherwise they get real right. stuck on just like how mean mom is being because mm. she mm-hmm. took away that exactly. thing or whatever. Exactly. It is, so. Yes. Yes. Okay. And one last strategy that I want to share is remembering to praise good mm. behavior. I think both in the moment when you see it, but I also love making sure to take that time out later in a quiet moment in the same way that you would address like, Hey, we had a hard afternoon. Can we talk about that Mm -hmm. in a way, making sure to call it out. And I felt so proud of you. I have actually found dinner time to be a great time for heaping on praise Mm -hmm. for behavior. I love being able to say, oh my gosh, Chris, I have to tell you about about something that I saw Dash and Cedric doing. And then just going into detail and talking about just how proud that made me. I like to tell them like my heart just felt so full of pride and love. I Mm -hmm. felt like it could just burst and, oh, just seeing their faces light up. Mm -hmm. You can just tell that means a lot to them. Mm -hmm. So really, you know, taking that time to address challenging behavior, but then making sure you're putting a spotlight on that good behavior too. That whole hearing you praise them to somebody else, even if they're Mm. sitting right there, I -hmm. think goes even further than being like, Hey, Dash, remember when you did this thing? It's like, oh, you're just kind of eavesdropping on this conversation where mom is bragging about me. Yes. And they like, feel so good. Yeah. They like that. Okay. So what are two current parenting challenges in your house right now? And what does a calm parenting approach look like to address them? I mean, maybe you could tell me (laughs) what the calm parenting approach is for this. Let's do some brainstorming here. This is where the rubber hits the road. Okay. So we are entering with my oldest and probably, I mean, the second one right behind her because they're pretty close in age, but we are just entering a phase of attitude Mm. And a phase of mom doesn't know it, what she's talking about, that is 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 unprecedented thus far, mm-hmm. <laughs> because they really, you know, just developmentally, like we're we're entering that phase. Um, Vanessa's about to be ten, and she's a very mature. She's always been ahead on that mm. kind of stuff. Yes, mature for her age, which is good and bad <laughs> when it comes right. to tween teenage angst starting early, um, and. So especially from her right now, and we've talked about it, like there's just a lot of attitude, a lot of shade, Mm -hmm. a lot of eye rolling, a lot of 
you know, just attitude and mostly ignoring it is how I'm approaching it, but I can get sucked in real quickly um, to that, number one, because she has a very passive aggressive way of going about that, Mm -hmm. which is one of my very biggest pet peeves in all of humanity is passive aggression. Yes, Uh, me too. I hate that. I am, I'd rather you be aggressive aggressive. That's where like me and Julia butt heads maybe more at a fiery temperature, but it doesn't get under my skin as much the the just outright outburst you know as the as the game playing and the eye rolling and the little Mm -hmm. digs here and there I've also noticed she's gotten um which I think is natural and I really remember it especially with my brothers and my dad at these ages gotten very competitive with me oh like it's Mm -hmm. almost like this like alpha female situation or something like that where they just kind of have to bump up against like the head female Mm -hmm. in the house I don't know if Mm -hmm. that's like a biological thing that happens but and I remember that like getting along with my dad better than my mom as a teenager Mm -hmm. um so there's some of that starting where she will just kind of really try to almost intentionally make me look bad even when I'm like Mm. trying to be nice or at at dinner especially there's been these little comments that are just like very undercutting and Mm. it's just like wow like that was (laughs) yeah that was like next level but it's again it's very subtle and it's very passive aggressive so it's almost hard to address or just wonder if I'm taking it too seriously or what and even Jeremiah and my sister did validate she's like whoa she really will have it in for you once in a while I'm like I know this is the phase Mm. we are entering right now. Mm -hmm. So mostly ignoring it, I think is the best approach, especially when it is obviously something just intending to push buttons and push back on authority a little bit. Um, But then I realized too, that I think I kind of have gotten out of the habit. I assume they, they know the expectations by now. They know what's going to fly. Well, when we're entering this new phase of parenting, I think I need to be pretty explicit again about calmly saying before a situation you know, like with my sister here, where she really tried to get kind of sassy and disrespectful to kind of show off a little bit mm-hmm. to just say, hey, I know sometimes when we have a guest, it might feel like, you know, this is mm-hmm. kind of what you do to be cool or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And like, I'm just letting you know that that you're not going to talk to me like that. And if that happens, right. here's what I will do. Right. Or you will be spending yeah. some time in your room and just but I, I've realized that I need to calmly lay out some expectations again, much like I did when they were little and we were going into a store and it was like, Mm -hmm. you had to constantly remind. And now that we have this new, new set of behaviors that we're dealing Mm -hmm. with, it's like, okay, well, now is the time to learn that you can be disrespectful with your body language and your facial expressions too. It's not just about how you talk and that, you know, and I don't know. So that is tried to be my approach, but I have definitely lost my mind a few times because that is just like Mm. a hot button Like you are not going to talk to me like that, you know, and just trying to calmly say like, I think what I even would have liked to do be better at doing is instead of like kind of snipping right back and giving her, Mm -hmm. you know, like, oh no, you're going to lose this one, sis. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that like just calmly calling her into another room even Mm -hmm. and taking her out of the attention grabbing situation too and being like, Um, when you talk to me like that, that's very disrespectful and I don't like it. So mm-hmm. you're going to need to talk kindly to me or you're going to need to spend some time in your room. And just mm-hmm. because I think another thing that happens at these ages is they get embarrassed very easily and then they get yeah. very defensive because there's just all that high running emotion. So that has right. been a particular challenge that, yeah, it it just feels like, oh, this could get volatile real quick because you are pushing mm-hmm. all of my buttons. But trying to approach calmly. That sounds really hard. I do like the sound of, like you said, asking her, you know, Hey, come, come with Mm -hmm. me for just a minute. And it sounds like you're feeling upset about something or wanting to express something Mm -hmm. to me. And that came across really disrespectfully and like, Mm -hmm. what's going on? I, yeah, I like that. And giving her that chance even to, to be like, if she has to tell me something, like I'm here to listen. Like if you, Mm -hmm. Because I think right. even sometimes she's just at this place of figuring out sense of humor and I can be sarcastic mm. and that doesn't always, right. she doesn't pick up on that all the time. So I think sometimes right. I could probably unintentionally hurt feelings or trigger a sensitivity for her that she's just not great about expressing and then it comes mm-hmm. out that way. So I'm trying yeah. to give her that opportunity, like, did something hurt your feelings? Is something, right. are you mad about something? Like helping her yeah. be self-aware about yeah. where the snark is coming from and the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the sass. Mm-hmm. So yeah. 
Okay. Well, that sounds hard, but it sounds like a, a good approach yeah. for, for when you can have your calm wits about you. That is, that is so hard. Um, so I'll say my, my first challenge is during Maeve's naps, which I have shared are, ch- are challenging. They are hard won. And just the boys making basically any noise above <laughs> yeah. a whisper yeah. during her naps, which this is so hard because I'm so on edge from Maeve, you know, finally getting to sleep and then on edge. I don't want anything to disturb her. It's also like the only break I get. And it's not even a break. I mean, if the boys are home, I'm still parenting the boys, but then I'm not, you know, just constantly on with a baby. And so I'm just so on edge during that time. Honestly, though, the boys really are for being six and eight. They are really good as, as good as they can, as good as two energetic boys can be Mm -hmm. who really don't care about the baby sister's nap. Um, and so I think instead of coming in and like being really short, I try to come in and say, Oh, Oh, remember Mm -hmm. Mave is napping. Like we try to try to keep it down, like kind of giving them that benefit of the doubt. Right. Like you weren't trying uh, to be loud. Exactly. Exactly. Um, also trying to engage with them and do something with them. This is really hard though, yeah. because I've just put a baby down for yeah. a nap. It was really hard. Um, and I've just found lately too, no one like wants to play cards with me or do yeah. any of just yeah. like the calm nap time things that I want to do. So that's kind of hard, but you know, sometimes it probably would be better. I could, I can get them to do a more physical game, like in the front room. And they actually will be so good about trying to keep it mm-hmm. down and be quieter. But I think it is just that I, I need to engage, right? But that's just really hard because I'm tired and I yeah. want to break. And you almost you know? need to engage at that next level, even of like, mm-hmm. this is just what we're doing. Like, yay, isn't this exactly. fun? Instead of like, yes. who wants to maybe, you know, but that right. requires even more of you to be like, yes. okay, let's do this thing that I planned. And that's not yes. really the energy yep. that you're at at that moment. That's hard. And I think an alternative is a little bit more of the ignoring. They usually will like move to the front room, at least the farthest away from her room. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if they've ever woken her up from a nap. It's just that any Mm. noise is just, you know, like nails on a chalkboard. When it feels so (laughs) fleeting, it's like when the UPS man rings the doorbell. Oh my gosh. And that has happened. (laughs) Damn you, UPS. <laughs> and sometimes they don't even wake up, but it's just the sheer oh, thought of that. E- exactly. Yeah. It is just suddenly that noise cutting through the quiet. So anyway, I need to just remember that I don't think they've ever woken her up mm-hmm. from a nap. And so if they're in the front room and doing the best they can, mm-hmm. I just need to take a deep breath and be okay with it. Could that maybe be a, and I don't know if you've tried this or not, but could that maybe be like a a quiet time or a screen time time for them? Or is it just that it's too undependable now? So then you'd end up with issues like she's not sleeping. No, now you can't have the iPad and yes. all that. Yeah. It's a little bit too inconsistent. Ugh, that makes it sense. doesn't, it doesn't match up. Mm-hmm. That's hard. So yep. hard. Cause then you, then you end up with cranky older brothers who didn't get their screen time on top mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Oh. Exactly. Okay. So another one for me is just, um, remembering so with Julia, like I said, the she's in a big phase of like working on when she gets frustrated about something, it turns into anger at everybody else. It's everybody else's fault that she's mm-hmm. frustrated with her art project or whatever it might be. And I have found that the best way to deal with that is to tell her, or like, again, take her by the hand, take her to her room or just say, like, if you're feeling frustrated with that, I want you to walk away and go in your room and come back when you're ready. If I tell Mm. her that instead of like, normally if I send them to the room, we need to have a talk before you come back and join us. Like when things have calmed down, but giving her that space to be like, you come back when you're ready and knowing that she really will self-regulate pretty well. Then Mm. if I give her that time and space and don't get on her about her over the top reaction. Right. And realizing right. that that's the exact same thing I need in that moment, but that's why it's mm-hmm. so triggering is because it's very much like me. Um, and just the parenting very different. Like that doesn't work with Vanessa when that happens, mm. then it becomes a bigger thing where she's in her room sulking and getting gotcha. emotional about the fact that she was sent to her room. And it becomes this like whole 
like manipulation dynamic. Yes. And so really giving myself permission to parent them differently sometimes. Yeah. And you know, that's super hard for us because they're so close in age. They're both girls and we got them at the same time. There was no, yes. I've never parented one at a time. So like right. if I have to very frequently remember to not always treat them as a unit, yeah. <laughs> like twi- it's almost like they're twins. It really, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So kind of trying to figure out what works, I think can help us calm parent also mm-hmm. because it's frustrating when you have this like overall rule you've established and one of your kids it's just really not working for and you have yeah. to like step back and be like okay but what let's try something else here then because this is not working right so. yeah I think that's such a great point and this is something that I have really been noticing over the past year with my boys too and I think kind of a similar thing in that they are close in age less than mm-hmm. two years apart um both, you know, energetic, you know, it's not like, oh, I have one that's like a super calm, shy one and one that's a real extrovert. They really have a lot of similarities, but I do think that maybe, you know, in the five, six is when they're starting to show more of that personality difference. And you really start to see how, yeah, they might need different approaches. Mm -hmm. And there have been some things this year you know, that it's like one of them is super sensitive to being corrected Mm -hmm. or being told even just very gently, Oh, Hey, remember we don't jump on the couch. I mean, that could just turn turn into a meltdown, you know? And so like noticing that and then, yeah, that, that is hard. You like, just feel like you're kind of figuring some things out with addressing behavior. And then suddenly you kind of have to differentiate again and that can be hard. Um, my second one I will say is just dinner time and there's a little bit of silliness, but it's like the combination of silliness and having very selective eaters Mm. and selective eaters that I think feed off of each other because I can tell it's like, Hey, you, um, this is kind of something new on your plate. Try it and let me know what you think. I see them like looking at each Uh other. Like how can we mix it up here? Yeah. Yeah. Or just like whichever one of them is going to declare it disgusting first, the other one follows. And it just, it drives me so insane. And so anyway, many emotions are wrapped up in dinner. Just end of the day. I am tired. I would like to enjoy a delicious meal, a meal that I spent time and effort thinking about how to feed everyone at the table to try to put vegetables on the plate to expose them to new foods, but not too new. And just, ugh, it feels like so much. Mm-hmm. And then if there's any kind of silliness, that is just so hard. So, and, um, we have just, you know, it's like we have basic, you know, table manners, but basic table manners, like there is no going under the table yeah. at dinner time. Like, why is that a thing? Right. <laughs> you know, like how like, many not... rules do I need to have about basic It's like, table. I'm not asking for that much. I just want you to stay above the table <laughs> during the meal time. <laughs> um, so, uh, I think the, the calm, what I aspire to have the calm parenting approach is having those, you know, basic, basic manners, letting them have a little bit of silliness within reason, because you know what, that's, that's their ages right. and you can't, you can't double down too hard right. because then you just are making yourself crazy. Yeah. You kind of, I have to like allow for a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have found that if they're starting to get a little silly, I will, will say, Oh, you know, dinner is going to be over in just a couple minutes. So make sure your belly is full. It, that's kind of like a signal mm-hmm. instead of, like I said, like doubling down on the that's behavior. That's a signal that they can be done. Yeah. You know, it's time to move on to something yeah. else and you can take your, your dishes. And I have found that to be, that's um, good. to be pretty effective and trying as always not to care and get frustrated that they eat so little of what we offer and that I, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I can't tell you the last time they tried a new food and liked it. That, I mean, that basically doesn't happen at my table. It is frustrating, um, especially with how intentional you mm-hmm. guys in particular are about mm. your food choices and like, right. the way you plan meals and the way, like, Ugh. it's just, it feels like a slap in the face. It just does. It does. And I get it that. Does. I get that. Yes. Um, yes. So that is hard. Yeah. The table for me too has been like trying to 
trying to just instead of immediately getting frustrated with the silliness that you think is going to get out of control, I'm realizing mm. that like they can rein it in more now than they used to be yeah. able to. Right. Where it would just turn into like food everywhere and whatever. So I'm trying to just be like, hey, do you notice how we all sit and we mm. can laugh, but then we need to be all done. We need to get our self-control mm. back because you might choke on your food or right, whatever. Like giving them that leeway. Like I love that you love to joke with your sister at the table. I like yeah. to joke with my sister at the table if we go right. out to eat. But like you need to be able to – because it will get to a place where they're just like <laughs> – and like choking exactly. on their food and like – Exactly. You know, so trying to teach them like, hey, we can allow this more and more if you can show right. us you can handle it, you know. Right. Yes, exactly. And not devolve like into that. talking about poop and butts. <laughs> at the table because we made one joke like somewhere uh, in that region and now you just want right. to make it like real gross no oh my gosh <laughs> oh that's so funny okay so stepping back a, a bit more broadly what behaviors or situations are the hardest for you to practice calm parenting okay so for sure like disrespect that or mm -hmm. perceived disrespect even like <laughs> perceived disrespect I don't know I'm like Denzel Washington in a movie like I just <laughs> I perceived disrespect. I just, that really is a trigger for me. And I have to remember that sometimes, A, they're not meaning to be disrespectful. B, me getting super fired up about the disrespect doesn't do anything. It makes them double mm. down on a, I was disrespecting you because you're mean and now you really are being mean. <laughs> right, right. Um, so I just, that and game playing and passive aggressiveness mm. really gets to me. And I am working very hard on Remembering that some of it is just how they're wired, their personalities. Right. I think some of it is some anxiety for Vanessa even. She's not intending to play a game. It's that she's she's always thinking five steps ahead in her mind. Mm -hmm. And then it's not mm -hmm. as calculated as I think it is. It's just that her mind works that way, you know? Yeah. And so to give some grace there, um, those things really bother me. Also, I found like just when everything is happening at once, when yes. there's when there's some level of chaos, like like it's like a straw that breaks the camel's back kind of situation. Mm -hmm. And it, mm -hmm. and I found I'm real quick to get to that place if I'm all of a sudden finding myself unnecessarily rushing around mm -hmm. or it's, I'm doing that out of a place. Like that's a signal to me that my temperature is rising and something is going to cause me to blow. Like I need to just take a minute, realize there is no emergency. But this right. happened, you know, when my sister was in town, it was a day we were having a hard time with behaviors. Vanessa had been disrespectful. Um, earlier in the day. So I feel like I was kind of harboring some of that. We'd had a whole situation. And then Julia had one of her kind of ragey moments and went to her room. <laughs> and so as I'm like talking to my sister about that and like Vanessa's getting changed out of her swimsuit, we've been at the pool doing that. I'm wet and in my swimsuit, like not mm -hmm. my favorite version right. of myself. And then the dog like takes a poo right behind me on the carpet because nobody was paying oh. attention to the fact that he needed to go oh. outside. And it was like, and I stepped back in it. Like, no, as oh. that is one of those things that just sends me like if my sister had not been there to laugh with me about it, yeah. I would have right. lost my ever loving You would have lost it. Like that mm -hmm. is that is one of those situations that just, I mean, I think, oh my gosh. I think that's a situation for a lot of moms. Like that is just the last straw. I can't. Right. Does all this need once, to be really Once happy? poo gets involved, <laughs> it's just game over. I, I actually will say this. When the kids were littler, I feel like bodily functions were very triggering mm. to me. Yeah. I would mm -hmm. get real upset about like a messy diaper or mm -hmm. like I had to talk myself down because it's yeah. like nobody, nobody tells you the assault on the senses <laughs> that parenting is about to be and how quickly you could be filled with rage at like poo all over the crib because uh, a diaper leaked or oh. you know what I mean? Like it is, yeah, it's, it's just or a potty, you know, the potty training accidents like that, that all was very triggering to me. So yes, yes. I mean, it's just next level. You can have frustrations at work, yeah. at your job and stress, but you're not dealing with poop. I literally I have mean, said at that most to jobs. Jeremiah. <laughs> you know? I said, you could have had the worst day ever at work and nobody shat on the floor. <laughs> exactly. I'm just saying that didn't happen at your job. I can, I can 100% exactly. guarantee <laughs> it's just, exactly. it's like the bad day plus, plus mm. that is just over plus the two. top. Yeah. So hard. <laughs> Okay, for me, it is so hard for me to practice calm parenting when my boys are being so silly and rambunctious that they actually cannot hear us. Yeah. You know, they like actually can't. Of 
incapable. They are on a whole different level. They have that crazy energy. (laughs) The crazy look in their eye. (laughs) Yes. And this happens at the end of the day. So we've done dinner. Mm. There might've been some silliness at dinner and that was frustrating. I'm tired. I just, I know that my time off of just getting into bed with my book is just, you know, it is so close (laughs) yet so far (laughs) yet so far. Um, I think especially this drives me crazy when we try to be very good about managing expectations and letting them know what's coming up. Like, all right, Mm -hmm. when dinner is over, remember it's bath and shower night. So we're going to do that. You know, it just feels like, like, why are you surprised every time I have been so reasonable (laughs) and you are now being so unreasonable (laughs) and it just, Oh, and combining that with, yeah, just the tiredness or maybe Maeve is sleeping. Oh my gosh. It's all the things. It's all (laughs) all your trigger points at once right there. Yes. So a a couple of things that will help, um, if we can get them, you know, often sometimes it will all fall apart if we're like, Oh, go brush your teeth and they go do that together. And now they're in a small space together with water and tooth toothpaste involved. You got to isolate. You got to isolate. Yeah. So we've got to isolate. And sometimes too, we need to lean in and we need to get involved in a little tickle time. One of mine, especially he wants like pillow fight time or tickle time. Like they need a little physicality from us, yeah. which is so hard. Cause that's exactly what I'm not in the mood the for. The opposite of how you are feeling at that at time. The moment. Yeah. But, but honestly, 10 minutes of that goes so a long way. So I'm putting that out there to remind myself, (laughs) um, similar to you, just when everything is going on, just being overstimulated. And especially just when I'm multitasking, I do not like multitasking when it comes to parenting stuff. Like you're trying to do like dinner prep something. And now with having Maeve, it's like dinner prep with one hand Mm -hmm. and then the boys are wrestling and you know, the wrestling is where it's like, they're having fun one minute, but then someone's hurt the next, but then they get over it. But then, and you sort of never know when to intervene. And I'm just like on edge the whole time waiting for it to devolve. Um, and that is very difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, but I will say, Right now, we've kind of realized with the ages that the boys are, they're more, you know, matched physically that they can both handle themselves. Mm -hmm. And we just kind of need to let them have fun. Yeah. And honestly, a lot of times they are just having fun. And it is that I don't want that crazy energy. Yeah. Like you can have fun when you're grown. Just stop. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, I think it is reasonable to say, Hey, you you know, you're just getting too loud Mm -hmm. for inside. You can either take it outside or take it down a little Mm -hmm. bit, but just, they need to be that way. And so I kind of have to remind myself, no one's actually doing anything wrong. They're having, this is the sound of two brothers having fun together and kind of reframing it that way. I have to do the same thing almost daily. And I don't think Mm -hmm. we have quite the energy level at our house, but Mm -hmm. even, even the lower version of that, I, Mm -hmm. I just get that time of day where, you know, they're kind of squirrely. We've done school, we've done our things and they're kind of a little bit bored. So they're a little bit messing with each other Mm -hmm. and trying to stop and really just like not shut it down before it even starts just in the name of, I don't want to hear it. Right. (laughs) This is where earbuds have come in handy. If Mm. I just need the sensory input to stop. Right. Um, Right. Yeah. I, I, same struggle here for sure. Okay. So to wrap up our conversation, what resources, whether books, social media accounts, even people in your life give you tools and inspiration to be a calm parent? Okay. So I mentioned Jen Hatmaker. I love mm-hmm. Jen Hatmaker for multiple reasons, but her parenting, her take on parenting, she has five kids, mostly grown. I think she has a middle schooler and a high schooler still, but they have, a few have left the nest. In her perspective, she's also just hilarious about it. So she mm-hmm. validates the frustrating, you know, mind numbing experience that can be parenting at times while giving you that like big sister, like, let me sh- yeah. help shepherd you through this, that crazy train analogy. Um, so I, I tend to really resonate with a lot of her advice. Um, 
And how do you consume that just from Usually, her books or like on her Instagram? Yeah, or? she's got some good stuff in her books, but yeah, her Instagram, she will just mm-hmm. sometimes write, you know, she wrote a long post about eighth grade virtual learning and she's like, mm. please, Jesus, make it stop. Like, how do we, I don't care. I don't care what grade she's getting anymore. You know, just her right. like kind of validating uh, yep. way. Um, Julie Bogart, I've mentioned it a thousand times, but the Brave Learner, her book, mm. and then her Brave Writer program and following her on Instagram even. I mean, she will just even bring me to tears. She's like the fairy godmother that mm. I needed for homeschooling, but she's got great stuff even if you don't homeschool just for parenting, for letting kids be kids, for like mm. finding the magic in motherhood, but in a very authentic, like accessible mm. way, not mm. not in a way that feels forced and we should just be enjoying every moment all the time. Yeah, right. Um, the Workspace for Children, that's her mm. handle. And I can't remember her okay. actual name. You know how you kind of only know people yes. on Instagram by their handle? <laughs> yes, but she has like actual e-courses and stuff, which I haven't taken any of those, but um, she has e-course on like instituting a daily quiet time. She has mm-hmm. very practical um, conversations about play and about expectations and boundaries in parenting and just really, really great stuff. Mm. Um, and we'll link to all these for you guys. But yep. uh, also a book that I found super helpful when I was just feeling particularly like overwhelmed as a mom with two toddlers and preschoolers and just like I am losing my mind on the daily like I don't like how I'm approaching this it feels like everything's upsetting to me I read um Peaceful Parent Happy Kids by Mm. Dr. Laura Markham I believe is how you Mm -hmm. say your last name and that is just it's one I recommended on here before but that I I have a hard time with parenting books because I feel like at the end of the day, it's the last thing I want to read about is like, yes, the, exactly. These, I've already dedicated enough of my brain space to that. Exactly. And I just think sometimes it's like you can do all the research and it just, I don't know, it, it adds to the, to the confusion sometimes in my mm-hmm. head instead of giving me clarity. And I felt like this one just really, um, was very realistic and very much explaining why you feel a certain way and why your kid is acting a certain way mm. and finding mm-hmm. the the practical solution to that instead of like, you know, ha- asking you to be someone that you're not. That's how I felt right. reading that book. Yeah. So, Oh, that sounds great. So I have several books. I do find I have really enjoyed parenting books and the ones that do help explain what is happening, like I said, just end up helping me have more empathy. Mm -hmm. It's like, I think I want to know how it's working. Like the child development side of things. Yes, exactly. So actually explaining to me, their brain is not developed yet. And so they actually cannot distinguish, Mm -hmm. you know, these emotions. They actually cannot stop themselves from having a meltdown over the toy that just got taken by their brother. Mm -hmm. Um, I just have really found that to be, to be helpful. Um, so of a few books, um, First, Parenting Without Power Struggles that I read this year. That was exactly the book that I needed to read this (laughs) year. So I'm so happy it came into my life and I listened to it. I have actually found that doing parenting books on audio, you can listen to them a little bit faster. Maybe I need to do Um, that than sitting down and using my... Exactly. It's less brain power to listen to somebody else. Yes, exactly. So I found that to be a great way to consume them. So parenting without power struggles isn't so much a book explaining, you know, how a child's brain is working or something at the time, but just gave so many practical Mm -hmm. strategies Mm -hmm. for avoiding power struggles and also just felt very real. I love it too. When books feel very real, when you know, you read some books and like, oh, just do this simple strategy. And it's just like, that doesn't work. And so I felt like this book did, you know, gave some good examples, talked you through how you might address it, but also was realistic in terms of, oh, are your kids going to just be happy and well-behaved a hundred percent of the time now? No. And I really appreciated that. Also, um, two books, how to talk. So kids will listen Mm. and listen. So kids will talk. And there's also one that's how to talk. So little kids will listen and listen. So little kids will talk. Mm -hmm. So both of those were great. The whole brain child. And that is a book that is more about how their brain is actually functioning. Mm -hmm. Um, but that I just really liked siblings without rivalry, which was by, is by the same authors as how to talk. So little kids will listen. And that is actually one that I've been meaning to revisit. Cause I do feel like it is great for siblings that are probably, you know, 
five and above uh-huh. kind of about sibling dynamics and stuff, but just has really good emotional intelligence worked in and how to encourage them to kind of work things out for themselves mm-hmm. and how you can kind of take that calm approach. Um, and then two final things, one counseling. Yeah. I talk about parenting Me stuff in counseling and, you know, I think so often as I've realized, it's like, I want to address the difficult behavior that mm-hmm. my child is having. And we end up talking about how I can just be calmer mm-hmm. about it and, and offer a supportive environment for them to work through those emotions. Mm-hmm. So that has been a great resource. And then I will just say talking with other parents. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we don't want to talk about difficult behaviors with other parents because it might feel embarrassing that our kids are doing that or we don't have a solution. But anytime I talk about a difficult behavior, I think, Mm -hmm. first of all, it just feels good to say it out loud. And sometimes just talking through it, you know, it kind of makes it not feel yes. as hard yes. or as different. When you and get then, it out of um, your head where you're like overanalyzing yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then everyone will will be able to empathize yeah. with you, even if it's not that same behavior, something else. Mm-hmm. And then I, I think it's really helpful to hear what hard behaviors other parents are dealing with because then you're like, oh, okay, well, that's actually not something yes. we're dealing with. Yes. And that just kind of helps to remind you like, okay, some things my kids aren't challenging right. on. And so I feel like just getting that perspective helps me be a more calm parent yeah. too. So it's also very validating because I feel like when so you get, validating. you know, especially you get stuck on the Instagram cycle of everybody mm. sharing their great pictures. And, you know, for me mm-hmm. now too, I'm in this homeschool space. Like there's all kinds of beautiful learning moments that people are sharing and those mm. things are genuinely happening, but they're also really hard things happening. I try to be super careful about sharing both because I don't want to paint mm. the picture that this is easy or that like, I've just got this all figured out and I'm just like, yeah. But also it can be like, you almost need to talk to another adult. Like, yeah, that's infuriating when kids do that. Like, yes, I also see red. Like you're not a psycho that that bothers Mm -hmm. you. That's super annoying. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, And then it helps you. I I have found it just really helps you laugh about it. Like when you you could tell a ridiculous story about something your kid did that is infuriating Mm. at the moment. But when you say it to another adult, especially another mom you can like crack up at how ridiculous it is. That but can is you so believe helpful. we're living with humans who would do this? <laughs> yes, it's like what kind of monsters? It just really helps to laugh about it like a ton. I find similarly doing a debrief with Chris at the end of the day, mm-hmm. especially after a hard day, I, I always feel like we will be able to give each other perspective and whichever one of us was more aggravated about something, the other one can remind uh, the other, like either the progress we've made or just, you know, like just giving that perspective about what their emotions are like and just reminding us like they really don't have that full self-control yet. Or I think to stepping back and being like, oh, but was he first of all upset because his brother did that? And then he did that bad Mm -hmm. behavior, like just kind of giving that perspective. And then I feel like we always end up laughing about it and then just coming full circle and talking about how awesome they are. Yeah. Like we really do have awesome kids, like Mm -hmm. when it comes Mm -hmm. down to it. Yeah. So that always helps. Okay. Well, let's move on to obsessions. What are you obsessed with? This may have already been an obsession of mine, but I'm (laughs) continually obsessed with the sour Scandinavian swimmers. Ooh, from you Trader have talked Joe's. about Scandinavian swimmers, but not the sour the ones. The sour ones are so good. Oh my gosh, I haven't had those, but I've had the Scandinavian swimmers since you've mentioned them. And oh, that gummy chewiness I'm is you. perfection. And the sour is like the Sour Patch Kid, but they're bigger Ooh, than Sour Patch yes. Kids. And they're, yeah. they're a little different consistency. Yeah, they're a little softer. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's such a good combination. Like I will make Ooh. my mouth hurt eating too many my of mouth them. Is, my mouth is watering yeah. <laughs> right now. They're okay. just my favorite. And it seems to be a candy for whatever reason that Jeremiah doesn't plow through while he's Ooh. rummaging in the pantry like a bear. So he nice. will, he likes them, but not as much as I do. So I get to yeah. really like savor them. You get and to really the enjoy them. I really love the super Ooh. sour. So they'll, gotcha. they'll want like one or two after lunch, right. but they don't 
you know, it's not something that they ask for or reach for a lot. So I'm like, this is all mine. Sour I love it. Love it when you find one of those. Uh Okay. I am obsessed with a new baseball cap that I got. It is the fast and free women's run hat from Lululemon, Mm. but it has, it's like a ponytail cut. So it has an extra Mm. kind of Mm -hmm. tall cutout in the back so I can wear like a tall top knot on top of my head. I just always have found that to be so troubling with baseball caps. I want to wear it for the sun protection Mm -hmm. or whatever, but I don't want a ponytail at the back of my head or on on my my low neck. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, I love this. It's made of kind of athletic, like quick dry material. I'm very excited about it for part of my summer wardrobe. So I like that for the pool and stuff too. Oh yeah. I really like to wear a hat in the pool, but yeah, you don't want like the wet braid that then like Mm -mm. dangles down in the water and Exactly. Yeah, this is great. So I recommend it. Okay. Okay, For neighborhood news, I just kind of have a funny thing that we have noticed. And that is, it seems to be around four or 5 PM every day. It is vacuuming hour (laughs) in our neighborhood. Let me tell you what is happening. Our behind us neighbors, who is an older couple who now occupies the house where Sagai used to live. Former home of Sagai. (laughs) Yes. We have noticed Every afternoon, there is some sort of blowing, vacuuming happening. He might be like leaf blowing, like every off the day. porch every day. Like I cannot think of what would be happening every day. It's like his like putsy retired retired guy habit. <laughs> it, it must be. I I can't think of what else it is. I haven't peeked over to see what's actually happening. But that's we were hearing this like every day, and that's what we've concluded. Well, but then also. A couple houses in front of us down the street, um, I think they own like a car de- mobile car detailing oh. service or something. Mm-hmm. And so they're like cleaning out their vacuums or something. And there's like a vacuuming sound in front of us <laughs> as well at the same time. So it's round sound it's vacuuming. Like, yes. It's just really funny that for, it's like for a while you don't really notice. Yeah. And then once Chris was like, do you hear that every day? And there's that van too. We we're like, oh my gosh. So anyway, yep. It's vacuuming hour and whatever I hear, it's like, oh, yep. Time for Time for what's his name to leaf blow his porch. Yeah. I can't imagine there's any leaves right, on there since right. yesterday, but <laughs> that is so funny. That's like the, I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before, but the neighbor next to us, whoever their landscape guy is like their yard guy, he takes an insane amount of time. Like my, oh, my man. yard guys in and out in like, yeah. I mean, you don't have huge yards. Yeah. I mean, it's like they're, he is over there. And you know that sound that's just like a low hum mm. and you don't realize yes. it's annoying you yes. until all of a sudden you're like, why is he still oh. blowing leaves? Yes. Then you're like, yes. he's been here like two hours. Like what oh is happening over there? <laughs> just like one of those. Very thorough. Things. Yeah. Very thorough. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that wraps it up. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. We would love to hear your calm parenting strategies and tips. So we will find you over on Instagram. We'll also take your moments where you might've chucked a Camelback $20 water bottle out a window too. We sure we like will. Yes. That can, <laughs> that can help validate all of yes. us. Um, you can find notes and links for this episode in the notes section of your podcast player. As a reminder, it's always there. Um, you can also always find the show notes on our website, girlnextdoorpodcast.com. On Instagram, we are Hi Girls Next Door, and you can always send us an email at highgirlsnextdoor at gmail.com. Thanks so much for dropping in. Until next time, be neighborly. Actually, the app on the breathing app on my iPhone watch. Oh, or on really? My, what what is it called? Why can't I name technology today? <laughs> on my Apple Macintosh timepiece, like what? <laughs> this little doohickey here. <laughs>